Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Telling the Story podcast, a look at how journalists and everyone reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. I want to mention before we start, we are now on Stitcher. You can subscribe to this podcast using the Stitcher Smart Radio app on your iPhone or Android. I've been using Stitcher for years. It's great because it keeps a list of my favorite podcasts and it always updates when there's a new episode, so I never have to miss one. All you have to do, download the Stitcher app and search for this podcast, Telling the Story. Okay, we are about a month removed from one of the biggest milestones of my career, hosting the NPPA Southeast Storytelling Workshop in Atlanta, Georgia. It was the first NPPA event of its type in the Southeast, maybe ever, we're not sure, but a sold-out crowd got to hear from some of the best storytellers in the country, truly inspirational, and we recorded one of those segments for this podcast. I got the chance to moderate a panel discussion with two very powerful people. Ellen Crook, Vice President of News for Tegna Media, which owns my station in Atlanta, and Scott Livingston, who holds a similar title at Sinclair Broadcast Group. These are two of the largest local TV media groups in the country, and both Ellen and Scott are true storytellers who now hold positions of major influence. So it was a privilege to have them both on the stage. I'm going to play the conversation pretty much as is, including the audience questions, and most of which I think you'll be able to hear because we repeated them aloud. You probably won't be able to hear the actual questions themselves, but we tried to repeat them as much as we could so you'd be able to hear them and so that those in the audience could hear them. So this is going to be a different kind of podcast from what we usually do, but I think you will find it extremely enlightening and maybe entertaining. Without further ado, here we go. The panel from the Southeast Storytelling Workshop called A Look at the Landscape. We decided to do this not just to instill and inspire all of you with that passion for visual storytelling to make you all better as individuals, but also to talk about changing cultures. Not just individuals, but newsrooms and companies. How we do that and what role we can all play within that. So after those two really great presentations to start, we're going to switch things up a little bit with a panel with two people who are in major positions of power in major news companies. I'm going to be asking a bunch of questions, and then you guys will get the chance to ask a bunch of questions. So urge you to really take this seriously and listen to what some of these companies are doing. And also, we're also going to try to address a lot of the issues that we feel many of you likely face on a day-to-day basis. First up, you heard her speak about an hour ago talking about the many things going on at Tegna. Uh, I've known Ellen Crook for about 10 years. She hired me all the way back in Buffalo, New York, and then here in Atlanta. Uh, And I have seen from the very beginning just the creativity and energy that she brings immediately into every newsroom that she walks into. Now she is the Vice President of News. You've seen a lot of the initiatives that she is helping to undertake with Tegna, and she's going to talk a lot about what that company is doing and this panel. So one more time, give a round of applause to Ellen Crook. I don't know Scott Livingston. (laughs) I just met Scott today, but what I do know of him is pretty extraordinary. 25 years ago, he was a chief photographer at a Sinclair broadcast group station. He has since gone on to become a news director and now a vice president of news. And I think if you've watched any of the work at WBFF this past year, some of which you'll see in these presentations and some of which you'll see tonight at the BOP Awards, 
a lot of that comes from that photo, photojournalistic mindset that people like Scott have brought into stations like that. So please, give a round of applause for Scott Livingston. Okay. I feel like you two are very far away from me right now. Here we go. Thank you both. So um, I wanted to start this by kind of talking about the, the overall look at the landscape. That's the title of this presentation. Ellen, um, during your presentation about Tegna, you said that local news really sometimes sucks. Seven years ago, while speaking to some students at Georgia State, while you were still the news director in Atlanta, you said something a little more emphatic, which is that local news stinks. Does it still stink? And why does it stink? Huh. Yeah, that, that <laughs> is going to be on my uh, grave, uh, that Ellen Crook says <laughs> local news stinks. It follows me everywhere. There are parts of it that does. There are parts of it that does. And there are times when we look at our local news uh, product and say 80% of it I'm not interested in. 20% is extraordinary and wonderful in the stories that you're doing every day. Um, but there is too much of what we're doing, the assembly line, the factory. And we are experimenting in many ways to try and break that factory. Um, and I have to be honest, has there been enough change since I said that the first time seven years ago? No. And it scares us. It scares us at Tegna um, enough that it is our main mission to try and break that assembly line, to try and really work on improving and flipping that switch uh, from 80-20, <laughs> that there is 80% of content that people really want. And, and we know what we do is so important to our local communities, that the uh, exposing of wrongdoing the um, helping people stay safe, uh, the weather that we report, uh, the being able to bring people together with great stories and positive stories. But how we're doing it, let's face it, isn't working, and we need to make a change. Scott, uh, similar question, but from that mindset of photojournalism as well. Obviously, as someone who spent many years behind a camera and takes pride in how beautiful visual storytelling can be, uh, so many stations that we see and so many local newscasts that we watch are full of just rapid fire video with no, seemingly no thought behind it, right? And so many photographers have said to me that they feel like their job has become live shots and VOs. Live shots and VOs, repetitive day to day. Do you see that? And is that something that needs to be addressed? Well, our challenge is how do we stay relevant? And I, I agree, we're in a, a tough spot, right? Everyone knows, they already know it when they turn to a newscast. So I'm really excited about our future because it comes back to really the basics, and that's about providing context and perspective and taking time to tell a story, to share a moment. And, and, and that's, that's just, you know, you, you look at the foundation. Storytelling's an old language, right? It's a very old language, but it still works. And so I think if we can reconnect and understand the power of the video, the power of the story, the power of the character, and be able to share that on multiple platforms, that's why we're very excited when you look at the social and the digital platform. I can take one moment, I can share it on social, and I can give you a reason why you will turn to my newscast. So we're focusing on taking our storytelling, letting that connect with folks on the other platforms, so we've created a sense of belonging. 
and that's critical if we're going to move forward. And I, I agree with Ellen. I mean, you, our assessment, I, I evolved into the, uh, was promoted into VP of News four years ago. And we had, at that time, 16 news operations. Now we have 66 news operations. We have 171 stations. Uh, we reached 40% of the country. Uh, and my number one challenge was, okay, we wanted to raise the bar. We wanted to raise the bar of excellence. Because when you look at our product, there was no value. Uh, and I think moving forward, the great news about how our industry is changing, and it's changing rapidly, is that it goes back to why we all got back, why I got into this business 32 years ago. And that is to be able to touch someone, be able to make that emotional connection. And if we can make that emotional connection, then we have a huge opportunity to be that brand and be able to belong to that brand and come and watch our newscasts and connect with our people every single night. So let's talk about how we do that. Ellen, you brought up uh, several great initiatives that Tegna has uh, taken on in the past year. You've talked about all the pilots. Uh, I know I've said to you before that I think one of the best decisions the company's made is to really throw so many things out and see what works and go with what works. Talk about just on an enterprise journalism level what you're seeing and the kind of things that are not just generating interest but generating audiences, generating ratings, and generating maybe a business model moving forward. Certainly, certainly. And so that's when, when we say local news thinks. We're also really excited about the future uh, because there are so many cool things happening. And I, I could not agree with you more in that the social media and being able to see what people are interested in and what they're sharing and what they're watching, um, you know, take a look at making a murderer or a serial or the jinx, all those things that are inspiring us um, are just great journalism again, great storytelling. And local newsrooms, and I know Tegna newsrooms are going, we can do that. That's what we're all about. Let's do more of that. So social media is guiding us uh, to our future because we are listening to our audience and we can listen to them like we never have before. Uh, and if we really pay attention, we can begin to start getting back to the basics that you talked about of great storytelling, of great content, putting things in context, uh, really listening to what type of stories the audience want to hear. So examples of that, um, like what Chris Vanderveen was talking about, um, yes, we are covering things in breaking news. We have to. We have to keep people safe and keep people. But I think what, what I'm seeing that is so exciting for Tegna uh, is we're going back into the stories and telling really relevant, great, contextual stories uh, rather than just the running and the gunning. Um, WFAA, a great example of that was there was a tornado um, a couple days before Christmas. And um, everyone covered it. And they were live wall to wall, live wall to wall. About a couple weeks later, they went back and did an incredible piece called The Night on the Bridge, where they were able to tell the details of that story and the humanity of that story. That night, we needed to keep people safe. We needed to tell people the what, the where, the when, the how. But we are going back now and doing more of those type of stories where you can't turn away and you can understand more of what's happening. So experimenting, too, is one of the biggest things that we're doing right now. Getting teams of people together and experimenting on new pieces of equipment that can help us tell stories better, experimenting on um, one of the biggest things that we're hearing from our audience, they don't trust us. They want us to be more transparent. They want us to be more authentic. 
So experimenting under those premises is huge for us. Uh, what if we um, tried to answer people's questions 24 hours on, uh, on social media? Uh, what if we tried to really explain to them why we got this story? Those type of experiments that uh, reporters are doing and reporters and photojournalists being more authentic, showing what they're doing, that is very exciting for the future. Scott, um, one of the best pieces of enterprise journalism I saw last year came out of the WBFF newsroom, uh, helmed by Jed Gamber, but done by largely your photo photo uh, photographer staff. And it was right after uh, the death of Freddie Gray and the, uh, the aftermath of that and the riots that ensued and, and just the conflict that really engaged that city. And what Jed and his team did was basically put together, I want to say about an eight-minute piece where they just recapped the week and it was a beautifully told story. I'm hoping that Jed might be playing a piece of that uh, during his presentation later, but it was just beautiful. And it reminded me of how we get visual storytelling into those things, uh, much like Ellen was saying about not just in the moment, but reflecting on the moment. Talk about how we specifically bring visual storytelling into those enterprise efforts, but also are there times, like where Ellen was saying, where you, you have to also break the mold and get away from that in order to provide that storytelling? Yeah, it's always been part of our, our DNA. We, we started our first news operation was WBFF. We launched our news in 1991. Um, and we wanted, to be, we wanted to have a point of difference. We didn't want to be just about delivering the information and the, and the what. We wanted to be about the so what. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's critical. If you look now, fast forward 25 years, if we're going to be successful, it is developing the so what. WBFF has done a, a, a tremendous job. They're one of the best storytelling shops uh, in, the, in the country. Uh, that is what we're trying to grow in all of our news operations to understand that you want to, you have a defining moment. Typically when you have a story of that significance with Freddie Gray, that becomes a defining moment for the station. All right? We have to own the story and provide the what factor on all platforms throughout the, the rioting and the unrest. And then we have to be committed because we need to understand that it is a privilege to tell stories that matter. It is our responsibility to tell a story that's relevant. So we go back and look a little bit about what Ellen was mentioning, uh, was discussing, was where you go back and look at, okay, what's the what? What's the so what? What do we need to focus? What are the questions we need to ask in the aftermath of Freddie Gray? And BFF has done a great job, and they've always done a great job, of being able, abling to capture the moment and provide that live uh, and be able to provide context and perspective and explore the how and why with uh, excellent storytelling. So I think enterprise journalism is where we get so lofty, right? Yep. Like that's where we give our people time and we develop these great products. Most of the stories we've seen so far today have been long form, yep. long time spent developing and long time on the air in terms of presenting. But I know that the folks who, who I talk to so much who really feel like they're struggling now are the in the mix folks. Uh, the young journalists especially, people who are being told that They've got to just get content on the air. There's more newscasts in the shows, but not more people to put them on. And it becomes such a challenge for younger journalists especially not to get burnt out, but also to feel like they're doing meaningful work. As it stands for those who are in that mix day to day, are those challenges things that can be negotiated? Or are we in a world right now where there are so many demands and that's the state of the industry. You know, I, 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 uh, 
I think it's all part of, you got to understand that there is the value you under, and we have to deliver the, the what. I mean, that's still critical because we are on social, we're all we're on uh, digital. Um, but I, I think that if you, we, we particularly need to explore the, the relevancy of the story and, and why do I care? And focus, if you're a young MMJ and you're pitching the story in the editorial meeting, it's focusing on that, that, that so what factor. So I can quickly turn the what, but then I'm going to spend my hour, my two hours uh, on, on the so what. Um, I think we have to be nimble enough in our editorial meetings to understand the value of a particular story and then how it's going to play out over the, the course of a day, over the course of a week. Um, you know, I, I think standing up and having your voice being heard in the editorial meeting, uh, so often you, you walk in and it's just, here's my three pitches instead of here's how I would develop and tell this story and this is why someone would care. I, I, I think that is critical. Uh, and I don't think there's, at least in Sinclair, a news manager that would say, okay, we're not going to do that. Uh, I think that we, we're always looking for what's going to be unique, what's going to be our point of difference for the day. Uh, accountability reporting, we're investing and in developing investigative units. We're getting back to you know, being, well, being able to take a story and really develop it and, and, and ask, those right, the, ask the right questions, not just the tough questions, and being able to, to share that with our, with our viewers. Uh, there is an expectation that, that we should be a watchdog. Uh, we want to be an advocate. We're telling all of our stations the importance of, of alerting, protecting, and empowering our viewers. I think we want to be transparent with that. I think there's nothing wrong with us to tell our viewers that we, we are an advocate. You, know, you heard Chris talk about that. You know, he, he, he did the story because he was, he was mad. You know, it bothered him. Uh, he, uh, and we encourage that. Uh, and I think we should tell the viewers that, look, this, this troubled us when we looked into it, and that's why we're doing the story. And I, I would, if you'd like me to, um, you know, one of the things that we hear over and over again is that. It's about the assembly line and the grind, and um, yet we do need to tell people what's happening now and what is going on. But the format and the assembly line or the workflow processes for those of you who've been in the business as long as I have, I was a news director for 22 years, it is exactly the same as when I started in 1980-something, right? Okay? <laughs> it's exactly the same. But look at how our world has changed. Look at how our consumers have changed. So I ask each of you, and particularly those within Tegna, we need to break the machine. We need to change our workflow in our newsrooms. We just had a group of people together. Matt was part of it. Chris Vanderveen was uh, part of it. And we keep saying we need to change. We need to change, right? But yet we're still coming. We still have the editorial meeting at the same time. People's positions are still the same thing. And you change, and then people say, oh, you don't care about journalism, right? We, we, we eat our young when we try and change, right? We need to, as an industry, work on changing and breaking the assembly line. The group that we brought together had this phrase that I cannot get out of my head. Changing everything will change everything. <laughs> we need to change everything. We need to keep the good, but we need to really take a look and experiment with different workflows in our newsrooms. Who says we have to be set up the same way as we have for the past several decades? We should be looking at how people are assigned schedules. We should be looking at 
what people are trained to do. We should be taking a look at the type of people we are hiring into our newsrooms. One of the things that we're going to do at Tegna is to begin to experiment with different workflows. Try a completely different workflow for a few weeks. See how it works. We don't have to go in, and I think one of the problems are people in my position uh, have maybe said, okay, this is how we're going to do it, and it's going to work. And they go into a newsroom, and they say, this is how it's going to work, and it doesn't work. And then they go back to the old way, right? How many people have had that happen, either at a station they've worked at or a market? We have to stop saying we know the answers, and we have to experiment. And people like you, the people who are passionate, who are talented, who really care about this business, I implore you to work on helping to change our workflow and our newsrooms. It's the only way this will change. I, uh, I entered this industry in 2003. And I like to think I'm still relatively young in the business, but I can say that within that time, the business has changed tremendously. Because when I entered the business just 13 years ago, Twitter did not exist, Facebook did not exist. Uh, my first station, we didn't even post stories on the web, right? And I heard someone say a few days ago, and I think it's a really powerful line, that our, our content has doubled, but our staffs have not. Mm. Are journalists in local newsrooms today being asked to do too much to serve too many different platforms? I don't think so. I think they need to understand the platform. Uh, if you are sending a tweet, updating a piece of video to Facebook, and then telling a significant story at five or six, I mean, that's how you're going to get someone to watch you, is by connecting on the other platforms. I also think it's interesting, you look at Twitter. Uh, you, because of Twitter, you're already connected. And that's why, that's, that's our challenge, so that we could still be relevant at five, five o'clock, six o'clock, 10 or 11. Um, this campaign, I think it's fascinating if you look at this presidential campaign, yeah. it's being played out on Twitter. Yeah. You know, it's not being played out on, a, on an ad. It's being played out in 140 uh, characters, which I think is, is fascinating. It shows you the, 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 the power of just the, the simple message. Now, it's our responsibility to take that message and be, provide the context and be able to provide what does this mean, why should I care? Um, so I, I don't think we're doing too much. I think we need to understand that hey, that's, that is the reality. But it is about the what. It's not about the so what. And then we take the time and we spend a, a significant amount of time focusing on, on the so what. Well, and I'll clarify that again. Not that, not that stations are doing too much, because that's obviously we have you know, the demands of online yeah. and, and social media, but that the journalists themselves are being asked to do too much. Because again, we've doubled our platforms, but we haven't really doubled our staffs. Right. Yeah. Well, we were, we have invested. Uh, it's funny, Sinclair. I think m most of you probably know about Sinclair. You know, we're a, a big company. We've also a, a company that wasn't committed to news five years ago, uh, and today we are committed to news. And so we've invested in, in our stations. We've added more than 200 people just last year in our newsrooms. And so we recognize the fact that guess what? There's a lot of demand, uh, and that we have transitioned into a, a content center. We're no longer just a television newsroom. Um, and I, I think that where it makes sense, we'll invest in the resources and the manpower. Uh, but it is true that we need to, uh, all young journalists need to understand that the, the social and digital is all part, mobile is all part of our, you know, our, our new world. Ellen, same question. Yeah. Um, I think it goes back to the format. So I think some people 
in our newsrooms or some positions, let's talk about it that way, in our newsroom are, and it's not because they're on social media. I mean, yeah, you, we've got to be able to do uh, all sorts of things on all sorts of platforms at all times. Uh, but are some positions, has the artistry been taken away because they become data entries and just machines? Absolutely. And is that because we're doing more? Listen, we're going to continue to do more. We need to change how, but we're set up the exact same way. I know I sound like a broken record on that. So yes, so we need to take a look at that. Why can't we be go teams, breaking news teams, and deep teams? Why can't we be set up so that if there is a 4 o'clock show, there is a team that works just on that 4 o'clock show? Could we look at how our newsrooms are set up rather than the same crew is trying to do things for five different shows, and then we say, why doesn't our audience want to watch three different shows in a row? Because they're being asked to. So yes, do I have all the answers? Does Tegna have all the answers? No, but we recognize that that is an issue, and we'd be crazy not to see that. And we're hearing some of our most creative, wonderful people getting burned out, and we are really trying to take a look at that. Um, because journalists, it's a calling, it's a passion, and people live and breathe it, and we all work hard, and we want to work hard, and we want to work incredible hours, but we want people to be able to do their best work. So um, I don't have an answer to that, but I acknowledge that that's a problem. I want to leave plenty of time for the folks in the audience to ask questions, so I'm just going to ask one more to wrap it up for both of you. We have obviously so many journalists who are here looking to perfect the craft and improve their own work. What are two things that anyone in this room who produces stories for television can do to better equip themselves for the newsroom of the future, the newsroom five, ten years down the road? Well, the first thing is attend seminars like this. <laughs> uh, if it weren't for the NPPA, I wouldn't be here today. Um, I, I think it's really understanding the importance of studying quality storytellers. Uh, you know, I spent hours, uh, you know, I was fortunate, it started in um, a small market in Salisbury, Maryland, my hometown, got uh, a job in Louisville, Kentucky, I was exposed to a great station, WABE, a wave in Louisville, Bruce Carter, Steve Flood, Kenny Hamilton, mm. all, all folks that really kind of, they all were protecting yeah. uh, <laughs> they, they all took me under really their wing and said, you know, here's, you know, what, here's how you touch people, here's how we can stay relevant. Yeah and they spread the passion. I, I think it's still cr you know, critical today, as Ellen mentioned, you know, a robot can just enter d data. Uh, and we're actually developing technology so that data, the what factor, can be covered by technology. And then we can use our, 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 our storytellers, our reporters, to tell significant stories that really make that human connection. Uh, and and I, I think that's, that, that, that's critical to understand that you know, this is still telling a great story. is still the key to our future. You know, being able to share moments, capture moments, develop characters, let people experience the conflict, but you got to understand the, 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 the platform and the, and the, the messaging. Uh, on Facebook Live now, it is about capturing the live moment. When BFF was in the middle of the riots, not only were they on air, but they were doing extended, unique coverage on the social and also on digital. Uh, BFF is a, a strong station, typically in the demos, they'll do it number two, uh, sometimes they'll be number one. They were number one in May in late news, which, which was terrific. Uh, on digital during the riots, because they understood, they, they understood what, exactly what the audience wanted and needed, 
So on social, they were the number one platform on social. They were the number one platform on digital. And one night out of the five, they were number one in, in news and evening and, and late news, which is a terrific accomplishment. So it shows you the value of live in the moment television and also being able to provide context and perspective at 6 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Good stuff. Ellen, two things. Sure. Two things. All right. Um, I'm going to do three. Go for okay? it. But I'll be quick. <laughs> uh, one, be curious, yeah. right? And not just on your storytelling, but about your newsroom, about new equipment that comes up. The people that I want to hire are the people who are going to run to the first time there's a new piece of equipment out or a new app. I, we want to hire those people who are, oh, I want to try that. We don't want to take the people who are going to be kicking and screaming to try something new. Uh, we want people to teach us, right? So be curious. Number two, be brave. This is a hard business, right? And we've got to do things differently, but that is really scary, right? And it's really scary to go out in front of your peers and do the story that you know, no one else wanted to do or to do it in a way that's never been done before. All we know is package and VO socks, right? Develop something new. Be brave. And third, this is going to be weird, embrace ambiguity. Okay? We are going into a new territory in our industry. And if we don't embrace the fact that that's going to be messy and that we're going to go into newsrooms where we don't quite know exactly how to get from step A to step B, I use Jeremy Campbell as an example. When we did this project, the triangle, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. But he was standing in front of like, this is going to be great. And I would sit to myself and say, oh, thank God, because I don't know what we're doing. Right? But it's the people who forge into that ambiguity that are going to change our industry and move our industry forward. If we only do what we know and what we're comfortable with, we will never change. So embrace ambiguity. Guys, give these two a round of applause. <laughs> But don't go anywhere. <laughs> so uh, we have about 15, 20 minutes for questions. So raise your hands, and we'll, we'll call on you. Any questions for Ellen and Scott? Yes. for that is one, and this sounds like such a management thing to say, but offer solutions. Yes. 
Like, we're not going to make it back in five, but I can Skype with you, I can FaceTime with you. Can we do a FaceTime live? Or I brought my little, um, you should see the new TVU. I just got a chance to see it. It's all this big. It's so cool. You know, so embrace all the equipment that you can help them. Because just think, you know, on the other side, I come from a producing background. There's a producer who's going, oh my god, I don't have anything in my show, right? So help that producer. So solutions. Because it is easy to go, oh my god, I can't, what? OK, here's what I can do. Here's how I can help you. So one, um, offer solutions all right, to work on that. And secondly, to always be looking for those different ways. Like, be the leader in your newsroom. right? We can sit back and complain how bad it is. Offer ideas. Offer, be the first one to come out on that. And so number two really is be good. right? If Boyd Hubert says he can't do a, five, a live uh, shot at 5, Boy, ain't doing a live shot at five, <laughs> right? Right? Be so good. Most of the time, I'm not telling Jane I said that, all right? It's between you and me. But you know, you'd be really good, and then they give you some slack on having to do some other things. They trust you, okay? And big believer in finding solutions, no yeah. doubt. And, and how you can do that with storytelling. How can I tell that unique story? How can I have a story with moments and take a little bit more time so that I can be rewarded with, hey, this was a great story. Uh, looking at events, when I was a photographer, I would always look at the calendar and say, when's opening day? When's there something significant that's going to happen? And I know that we're going to do team coverage. We're going to do expanded coverage. Well, I want to help us have unique coverage that will be a part of a point of difference. So suggest the story that would maybe you get a little bit more time because you're only one of four stories, or three stories, or five stories. Uh, and, I, and I think that then you start sharing, hey, you remember that story? Oh, yeah, that was a great piece. I think I could go do another story just like that today. And that will help. Mm -hmm. yep. Thank you for what you do. Hello, my name is Justin Newman. I'm a reporter with WLOS. And one of the things that you said about Ellen was dealing with having great community teams and more special teams that are trying to assign a certain show. But I'm curious what that looks like then for you. Me too. <laughs> Right, right. And, and again, if we had all the answers, right? Yeah. So, sure. He's asking more about the, um, uh, uh, what new for, uh, workflows could look like. If we did have go teams and deep teams, how are we going to fill a 4 o'clock? Right? My, my paraphrasing okay? All right. So, um, you're right. We don't know. And what we're talking about is we need to experiment. Because what happens, and so I'm kind of getting back to that, embrace the ambiguity. Somebody in the newsroom is going to say that, hey, if we try that, we are never going to fill the 4 o'clock. If we try that, we're never going to do that. So then we don't experiment, right? So we don't know exactly what that looks like. But we know if you take a look how network shows are done, that are, you know, they're not doing as much news as we are, but they're doing you know, two, three hours, how they're set up. If we take a look at how other type of assembly line things, perhaps even outside of local news, are done, let's experiment with that. So we don't know exactly what that looks like. We're not saying we have all the answers, but we are committed and we have a plan in place to be trying different workflows, but not going in and saying, all right, here's how your workflow is going to be for the next year. No, let's try this for a few weeks, find out what happens. That's the ambiguity I'm talking about. We can find out a million reasons why not to experiment, uh, check off, it's not going to work because of this, this, and this, and then we'll never move forward. 
And news people are really good at coming up with all the reasons why we shouldn't do anything, right? <laughs> We're really good at that. <laughs> yep. Hi, Ashley. Sure, sure. Um, we're looking into developing a, a web page for that. So everything that you discover, that you share. So after your piece airs, the, the reporter, the anchor will do a, a debrief and then say, here, go to our web page, look at the PDF. Before you get too deep into that, just again, repeat the question uh, so those can, who didn't it's hear it. It's about the transparency yeah, and, and the struggle with transparency. And the mistrust. And, and the time it takes because of the process, correct. Uh, understanding that what I uncovered is reality. How can I trust that? And, and, and that's our, our, our biggest challenge. And we, we want to be transparent. We want the viewer to be able to watch the piece, go to the website. Here's the PDF. Here's, you, know, you can read it for yourself. Here's the court document. Here's the raw interview. Share it. Explore it. Then you can come to the same conclusion. Yep. Yep. And it has Critical. to be more of a mindset rather than, you know, I, I, I laugh. First off, sitting through focus groups when we did these pilots, and watching what's happening with the presidential election. I don't care how many documents you show people. I don't care how many times you tell them. They do not trust us. And it is our fault as an industry, not of the people in this room. But as, so to me, when I go into a newsroom and they say, oh yeah, we were transparent last Tuesday in the third block, right? <laughs> that it's right, that, that, that it's these like little snippets. It has to be this overall mindset uh, for those of you who are on the air, a sense of authenticity mm -hmm. is what people are looking for, right? And particularly people who are starting out. We all want to be the reporter and talk like the reporter and the anchor, right? People can smell that a mile away and they are sick of it. So it's more than just I want to take them through my, all my process. It is a mindset of real authenticity, of writing, of taking people along for the ride. So it's not do your story exactly as you used to do it, but now add in all this stuff, right? It's about going about it completely different. Uh, it's about um, being more real. It's about explaining every story why you're doing the story and not taking extra time to do that, but making it be that it's not just one snippet of transparency, but it's who you are, it's what you do, it's your authenticity. And that could make you a very popular reporter and photojournalist in your market, too. And having the anchor debrief, yeah. you know, it used to be the pace, oh no, we, have, we only have 20 seconds we, uh, for the story. Now, on the, or the tag can only be 10 seconds. Now, the part of the tag is the debrief. I want to, uh, the anchor needs to ask the same question that our viewers want answered. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we don't have time for that. Now they, they, they want us to do that. 
and that's the way we can be all, all, certainly authentic. And it's okay for an anchor to, you know, turn their head or make a comment, make an observation. They become real. Yep. And transparent. Excuse me. Well, that can be a mission of a newscast. Getting back yeah. to Ellen's statement about the four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. So she you wouldn't know, have to come back from five hours away, right? Correct. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, we have time for about three questions. I know you've had your hand up for a while, sir. What is something that every newsroom gets wrong, and what's something about our industry that keeps you up at night? I'll do the get wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I see us hiring people from outside our business because we want to be different, right? Tell me how many times you've seen this. Oh, let's hire this really different anchor who's exciting, different, and they're not traditional local news. And then we, or we hire people right out of college because we want them to teach us things and, and to go a different way, and then we suck them into our vacuum of sameness. We don't let them change us, right? That's, I just see it happening over and over again. Well, we hired that person who was different, but that's not working out. <laughs> well, well, why isn't it? Because we're, we're pushing them into this, this sameness. So that, I keep seeing that happening, and I don't have the answer to that, but that, that, that's troublesome. And I think what keeps us up late at night uh, still, and now I'm able, since I've been a news director and been in the business for 32 years, I can still sleep, so that's good. That's good. Uh, uh, but I think what keeps me up at night is, is really our, our future in late news. Um, mm. and, and, and I think that you look at the trend, uh, and you, you, morning news, we're doing great. We're up, in Sinclair, we're up 6%. People are engaged with our morning product. We have more time in the morning. I think we have some uniqueness. We stand out, so there is a point of difference. Late news, because of all the devices, Everyone thinks they, they definitely know what, everything before, no, new, no reason to watch us. And so I think that's really our, our, our biggest challenge is, is how do we stay uh, relevant. Um, still very, very optimistic because we have all these platforms so that we can connect and reach people. But I think in, in late news, also I think we all need to be, be prepared for the post-network world. You know, that's why we are trying to touch people on the other platforms so that we create a sense of belonging with our brand that our network lead-in lead becomes really irrelevant. That there are local people, local brand, local content that's really valuable. Key qualities for moving a reporter up within your company. Well, Ella mentioned curiosity. Uh, I would also put passion. Mm -hmm. Someone that's always willing to work twice as hard and is committed to be twice as good. Uh, and and I, I think that's obviously critical. Uh, and that's one of the things that we'll look for. Uh, Stan Heiss, who's our director of training and staff development. Stan does a lot of recruiting for us. Stan's here in the, in the first row. Uh, he, he's the one who finds you know, a lot of our stars, and, and I think, Stan, that's the, the number one thing that you look for, is someone that has passion and drive. And some of the great examples how your passion and drive made a difference. Yeah, I, I think we've talked a lot about those, those things, curiosity, uh, passion. Um, I love it when I'm interviewing somebody and they're teaching me something that I never knew, um, that they're up on the latest 
um, apps or on the latest piece of equipment. I love people who are on the, the cutting edge of um, technology and who can talk about the future rather, and about, rather than the past. This is an amazing industry with such a great future, but people who are stuck in the way we used to do it and are just longing for those days, I'm not all that excited. I want somebody to come in and say, listen, I've got an idea <laughs> of how we can make this better. So someone who has a vision for the future. All right, one more question, yes. One great success story from each of you that really made an impact on your viewers. Ellen? Uh, sure. Well, so it's, it's, there are so many, and, and that's when we talk about all the things that are wrong. When you take a look at some of the work that's done across Tegna where lives have been saved, where um, uh, laws have been changed, uh, when we take a look at the triangle, which is an example of it was only released digitally very little marketing. It was released on a Friday night, four pieces, right? By Monday morning, four million page views. And it took off by itself. And what it was, because it was storytelling, it was investigative, but it was about humanity. It was about a problem that needed to be exposed. And then it kept going, where Jeremy and his team are able now, they are speaking at schools, uh, they are getting laws changed, they are exposing problems within different uh, communities. They're getting uh, lawmakers to take a look at it. It's, it's stuff that's really resonating, and it all came out digitally first. And then it made really great TV. So uh, that is one example, but we have so many across our company. You take a look at what Boyd did. Um, there's something so powerful as that, but there's also something as powerful as a little boy who um, befriended an elderly man across the street, Emmett and Erling. How many people saw that story, right? Right? That was just as powerful and seen by as many millions of people. But it, I, I always ask our general managers, what would happen in your newsroom if somebody called up and said, there's this old man who's being really nice to this little boy across the street? <laughs> right? We'd all be checking to see if it was a pedophile. Come on. And then when he wasn't, we'd say no news there. Right? So those simple little stories can be just as powerful as those incredible investigative work. It all touches the heart. Agreed. We have you know, so many great stories across Sinclair, and then the commitment of accountability reporting, asking the, the, the tough question, the asking the right question, holding government officials accountable. We, uh, we want to be that advocate, and we're having su success across the, uh, all of our stations. I think our biggest success story, one of the things that we're really proud, uh, proud of is what we're doing in Washington. We acquired WJLA more than two years ago. It was a broken station. It was in fourth place. Um, shocked at how people just kind of came in and you know hit the time clock and you know there are a lot of talented folks a lot of skills there but they weren't really motivated and energized to tell compelling stories they weren't energized to tell stories that made a difference 
And so we launched, we now have the largest investigative unit uh, across the country. We have 14 people turning investigative reporting, Great. doing point of difference content. Uh, we're also wow, winning the breaking news uh, war there in DC. Uh, they have a cable news channel, we have the ABC affiliate, we certainly have the, the social and digital platforms. And so when the blizzard hit, everyone in the staff stepped up and realized that it was a defining moment for our station, that here's a fourth place station that here, uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna be crippled by a blizzard. What can we do that's unique on social? What can we do that's unique on digital? And what can we do on, on air? And I was proud that, uh, that we were number, the number one news source on social, number one news source on digital. We were, uh, had record ratings uh, uh, on air. And that was a station that was at one time in fourth place. Now we're in third, and one time period we're in second. And we're very, very excited about our future. But it was all about understanding the importance of being brilliant at the basics, developing a point of difference. And we had a point of difference content with the Blizzard coverage as well and being able to do something unique on social and something memorable uh, on digital. Um, so we're very, very excited about the future and, and think that we can make a difference. And if you want to make a difference, you, you want to work for us. You want to work for Sinclair, a company now. We've come a long way. We were Five years ago, news was not a priority. And today, news is a, a priority. And, and we're committed. We're committed to telling great stories and making a difference in our communities. All right, well, thank you both so much. This was so informative and so enlightening. We really appreciate the time. Guys, Ellen Crook, Scott Livingston. There you have it. I hope you found that full of insights and inspiration. Let me know what you think. Post a comment on the blog or email me at matt at tellingthestoryblog.com. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Stitcher Smart Radio. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you.